Hello and welcome to the Black Final Girl podcast. I'm your host, Clary, and this week I watched Evil Dead 2013. Evil Dead 2013 is an American supernatural horror film directed by Fede Alvarez. He also co-wrote it alongside Rodo Segeas. I really hope I said that properly. I'm so bad at pronunciation. It's crazy. And the script was doctored by none other than Diablo Cody. If you don't know who that is, she is a writer best known for Juno probably and also known for Jennifer's Body. But back to our main duo, this was their feature-length debut together, and they did work on a short film together, and I'm not gonna try to butcher the pronunciation of this film, but this was their first feature-length film. They later went on to do another banger, in my opinion, and that is Don't Breathe. While the two films have very clear identities, and one is extremely dark and goes full-fledged to the horror and the other one is a lot more light-hearted and leans heavily on humor. They both share the same core plot and that plot being the fact that five friends go to a remote cabin in the woods where they find a book of the dead and that leads to them summoning up demons living in the nearby woods. So from this point forward I am going to be doing a very detailed retelling recap of Evil Dead 2013. If you have yet to see the movie and you would like to be absolutely shocked, gooped, gagged about the things that you see on screen, I highly recommend exiting out right now and going and watching this movie. I'm not joking when I say it's one of the greatest remakes of all time. If you don't care for spoilers, then let's continue on with the movie. So already starting off with a very big shift between the two movies, obviously the Evil Dead opens up with the iconic car driving scene. This one said, F that, we're just gonna throw you immediately into the fire. So it starts off with a young woman absolutely running, just booking it through the woods as she's being chased down by two men, one of which attacks her with the butt of his gun, knocking her out. When she comes to, she is chained up and her head is covered by a burlap sack. As a older woman prepares to read from the Book of the Dead a few feet away from her, they then remove the burlap sack from her head and already the goopery and gaggery has begun because the man who removes the sack from her head is revealed to be none other than her father. He then tells her that the people that are here, the woman that's reading from the book, everybody is here to help her and that these are really good people. It's a room full of people who are just watching this go down. Sorry, I'm laughing because like the absurdity even though I know what's going to happen but after that he begins to pour oil on her and prepares to light her on fire. She tells him, like, Daddy, please, I didn't do anything. This is so wrong. But he strikes the match, and this is what sets her off, revealing that she actually has been possessed this whole time. And another difference between the original film and this one is that instead of getting I'll swallow your soul, instead we get I will rip your soul out and a bunch of other words that as a good christian woman i cannot repeat okay as for the new deadite makeup in this movie i don't hate it but i do feel like it almost lacks a little bit of character compared to 
the older movies although I know some people actually hate the older movies makeup I don't know something about this one is just like yeah she looks like every other possessed woman of that era so I don't hate it but I also don't love it also I won't lie when she's saying the things to her father that she's saying she kind of ate like she kind of read him for filth I don't know what it was was it the deep voice was it the fact that her legs are burning and she's still going she really don't give a fuck I don't know what it was but she served so anyways while she's going on her rant and she's engulfed in flames her dad pulls out a shotgun and proceeds to shoot her with the shotgun I feel personally like one or the other could have worked it was a little bit overkill to tie your daughter up engulf her in flames and then shoot her with a shotgun but I'm not a parent so after this, we are greeted with the title card, and I don't know what it was about the 2010s, especially with this and Insidious 2010. Um, they were just like, make the loudest, most jarring title cards. <laughs> we then begin to meet our main characters arriving at the cabin. The first are couple David and Natalie. David is important, he is our main character's brother, and Natalie is his girlfriend, like I just said, they're a couple. And they have a dog, Grandpa, okay? They meet up with their friends, Olivia and Eric. Olivia is a registered nurse, okay? That's important. And Eric is gonna really piss you off in a few minutes. David heads to the back after Eric tells him that his sister Mia is waiting there for him. And we see her drawing while sitting on the Oldsmobile, aka Ash's car from the first few films. This movie was originally going to be a part of the original continuity with Mia and Ash later on teaming up in an Army of Darkness 2 film, but that was scrapped later on for the TV show Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Mia is incredibly shocked that her brother actually came as they haven't spoken to each other in a few years due to her addiction. And that is actually the reason that they are here at this remote cabin in the woods. This is a cabin that they used to come to a lot when they were younger, and Mia right now wants to quit her heroin addiction cold turkey. And honestly, I think this revelation makes the movie 10 times sadder than it actually should have been. But I mean that in a good way because it adds a lot of humanity to the rest of the story and it makes the characters feel a lot more human in this film, especially when you consider the fact that they are all just basically disposable young adults in a horror movie. This really helps you anchor on and connect with these characters quickly. I also want to note that by making Mia's character an addict, who is also going through cold turkey recovery. It is a great way, as horrible as this sounds, to explain away a lot of her possession symptoms early on in the film. That way the characters can keep brushing it off for longer than you probably would in real life. But after disposing of her drugs, the group head into the cabin where they see that it's in shambles with broken locks and it's in desperate need of repair. Mia also notes that there is just a horrible smell in here. I hope this does not lead to them discovering a charred body in the basement. David obviously doesn't believe her due to the fact that she is going through withdrawal and instead he decides that it is time to clean out the dead animals in the cellar. While placing their bodies in the trash, he finds another trail of blood. This trail of blood leading to Grandpa, the dog of the movie, and Grandpa is laying in a hole with his head bashed in from a hammer. David 
immediately assumes that it was his sister's. So he runs inside, but she's in the shower. So he opts to kick the door down on her and finds her bathing in scalding hot water. Like her skin is red and peeling under the heat of this water, but it does not seem to have that much of an effect on her. Due to the fact that his sister now has third degree burns, he's like, I have to get her to a hospital. So while he's trying to get her to the hospital, too bad so sad you guys read from the book well not even you guys eric fucked it up for everybody the road is now flooded from the rain and there is no way out also i should say that while everything was happening eric was still going through this fucking book <laughs> and that is the only reason that he was like oh hey she might be possessed because he had read in the book that the person's gonna pour boiling water on their body eric Eric, this is all your fault and he's acting like he's gooped and gagged you read a book that literally said leave this book alone and was covered in barbed wire nobody here is to blame except for you like no matter how many times i watch this movie i always come to the same conclusion and that conclusion is that eric is the villain of this film like on top of the fact that he's seen with his own two eyes in the book that the person possessed is pouring hot water on themselves he goes on to not tell the rest of the group his findings like they're all having this group meeting after they put me on some sedatives first of all olivia comes in the room and she's like she's down she's out she should be out for a few hours okay so the group starts having this big old discussion about mia and this is the first time i think i've heard the girlfriend natalie speak at all and all she does is get mad at olivia like olivia is the know-it-all on addiction she's a registered nurse i don't even think they spend that much time on addiction have you seen nurses with addicts okay let's not unpack that anyways so she starts going off on olivia and eric does not in the slightest bit feel compelled to be like hey remember that book we found in the basement yeah there was a picture of a girl pouring boiling hot water on herself and a lot of the things that happened in the book are matching up to what's going on with mia so anyways while they're arguing about what they're going to be doing mia walks into the room and she's walking in the room with the shotgun i feel like i can even remember this scene from the trailer that's how much this movie actually <laughs> impacted my life this movie changed the trajectory of my life by a hundred percent this is also one of my favorite scenes of the movie i have many in this movie but between jane levy's acting the way that i genuinely will always be gooped and gagged at her shooting her brother in the arm i know she's possessed but i truly did not think she was gonna do it the first time that i watched this and on top of that with an amazing nod to the original film while mia is having her scream queen moment before she says you are all going to die tonight you can faintly hear one by one we will take you which is the audio from the original film and it's such a great time to add that because that is taken from when cheryl was possessed in the original movie and cheryl is of course ash's sister in the original movie i know i only talked about evil dead 2 and this one but yes in the original movie his sister gets possessed first just like this film olivia being the only other character with like reaction skills i guess goes to grab the gun to you know deal with the issue but mia who of course is a deadite with deadite strength and reaction time grabs her jumps on her and in a scene that also is seared in my brain forever projectile vomits blood all over her one thing i cannot stand in movies is throwing up that is something that will always get me so this just shooting out of her and it's so much blood also i would like to say that this movie was done mainly with practical effects they did use cgi to touch it up 
but they obviously used gallons and gallons of blood for this movie and that's without even talking about the end scene like the amount of blood that is washing over olivia's face right now it's in her nose it's in her eyes it's in her mouth it's pooling around her head okay and mia just refuses to stop vomiting up this bright fucking red blood and not to mention that this blood is like goopy and full of chunks but anyways <laughs> olivia then throws mia into the cellar the group then closes and locks it because they're like hey this is a big problem we've got going on here olivia is like i need to go clean all this ish off of my skin and to get more sedatives but since eric wants to read aloud but not share his thoughts with the group she has no idea that her friend has now technically just possessed her so when she goes to the bathroom to clean herself off she sees the deadite version of herself in the mirror seeing this obviously causes olivia to freak out and she tries to run out of the bathroom but the door slams behind her as she becomes possessed the sound of the door slamming leads eric to go investigate because hey his friend is in the bathroom slamming doors what's going on and when he gets in there he finds our dear registered nurse olivia hunched over on the floor cutting her face off at least she technically made it further than the dog eric trying to escape the room slips on a piece of her skin and he falls onto the edge of the toilet letting olivia get the jump on him literally jumping on him stabbing him with the shard of glass and then with a syringe he's able to fight her off pushing her away from him and once he realizes that she's still very much alive and crawling towards him, he then bashes her head in with the sink. David, Eric, and Natalie then head out to the garage to help clean up David after that traumatic event. And while they're in there, David is like, hey, Natalie, I know some really weird things going on, but if you could head into the cabin by yourself and get us some sugar and water, that would be great. And Natalie does just that, even though she should know she's about to die. She's only said about three things in the past 45 minutes, which is a clear indicator that this character is not going to make it far. While she gets the sugar and water, she hears a loud bang indicating that the cellar has now opened, okay? That's fine. She doesn't immediately go to the cellar. She instead heads to the front door. But of course, by demonic forces, the front door is locked. Here is when I begin to get real pissed off with Natalie as well. She hears Miss Deadite Mia calling out for her. And instead of just being like, you know what? This isn't my business. I already know what's went down. Let me just close the cellar back. This girl just attacked her own friend earlier and shot her brother with a shotgun. Clearly me with four lines who just met her is not going to be important to her. Instead, Natalie heads into the cellar with Deadite Mia. Where would we be without the Natalies of this world? David, realizing that it shouldn't take so long to get <laughs> sugar and water, comes into the cabin. And in there, he finds his girlfriend in the cellar with his dead sister. Well, his sister's technically not dead to him, but her soul is gone, right? And Natalie quickly crawls out of the cellar and it should all be fine and dandy, but it's actually too late because Deadite Mia was making out with Natalie in the basement cellar and the Deadites transfer through bodily fluids, it seems like. And although I won't say exactly what line it is, this scene actually gives me one of my favorite lines of the movie because it is hilarious and so jarring and just <laughs> random. And it happens at about the 49 minute mark of the movie. 
David then seals the cellar door with nails and chains before heading out to find Eric trying to burn the book. This man held onto the secret of the book, the fact that he opened it and read it for so long, and now he's trying to destroy the evidence. But either way, the book does not burn, and that is a great bit of continuity and canon because in the end of the first movie, Ash tries to burn it, but obviously we get the second movie, so that is why the second movie is a requel. But anyways, Eric finally tells David what he knows from the book. Basically, there is an evil spirit roaming around and it is now attached to Mia's soul and it wants to get a collection of souls, basically, okay? While that is happening, we see Natalie trying to deal with the bite wound on her hand. Her arm begins to look a lot like Ash's arm in the second movie, except grosser because it also has this really weird wet sheen to it. And in true Evil Dead fashion, the only way to deal with this is to slice your whole arm off. Actually, Ash got off lucky because it was his hand. By the time she realizes what she's got to do with an electrical knife beside her and the demon Mia taunting her from the cellar door, it's already up to like her shoulder pretty much. The boys walk into the room just as her arm falls off. And while this is happening, Demon Mia is in the cellar having an absolute key. I can't even lie. She's just giggling to herself in the corner. <laughs> it's just, this movie's actually, now that I'm no longer scared of it, hilarious. After doing some more research, Eric says to David that there's three ways that they can put an end to this finally. They can bury Mia alive, dismember her or burn her alive. David obviously being her brother is like I'm not gonna do a single one of those things even though the clear answer, I hate to say it, is to bury your sister alive. While those two essentially go back and forth about whether they should do this or not, Natalie walks into the room, her head is full of nails and she is holding a nail gun. She shoots a few nails at Eric who in my opinion actually should have been the first one to die considering they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him being nosy as hell before ultimately being killed off by her boyfriend using the shotgun. Due to the fact that he just had to kill his girlfriend, he's like, you know what, I'm just gonna burn the cabin down with Mia in the basement, right? But as he's pouring all the gasoline all over the place, Mia starts singing a lullaby, which this is a callback. But unlike in the second movie where Annie is like, this thing's not my mother in the basement, David is like, I actually cannot go through with this. Instead, opting to bury his sister alive outside. Going into the cellar to grab Mia, he is then attacked by his sister, who is using a box cutter to slash at him. She tosses him around a little bit and then begins to drown him in the flood water. But he is saved by Eric, who is still alive after all this time. Eric ends up dying though, saving David, because Mia gets him in the stomach with the box cutter and honestly, I do not feel bad about it. David injects Mia with the sedative and buries her alive. So after a while, David is like, okay, the demons are gone. Everything is fine. He goes to dig up his sister and bring her back to life with a defibrillator. Just after she comes back to life and they get ready to leave, David goes inside to grab his keys and he is then stabbed in the neck by Deadeye Eric. Mia tries to save her brother but instead he throws her out and locks the door and as he's dying, okay, with his dying energy, he sets the house on fire. But that is not the end of it because, like the book said, they needed five souls to unleash abomination or whatever 
And now that they have died, they have now collected the five souls needed, and abomination has begun. The sky begins to rain blood, and a hand bursts out of the ground, grabbing Mia. But she's just too scrappy for that. She runs and grabs a chainsaw from the tool shed before hiding under the jeep, where she is able to cut the legs off of the abomination. As she tries to get away, the abomination is able to tip the jeep over and onto her arm, leading to Mia having to rip her arm out from under the jeep i mean there's a lot happening in this scene it is literally pouring blood she has been chased and attacked for the past like 10 minutes it feels like but still her pulling her arm out from under this jeep literally severing it lives in my mind rent free using her now severed arm she kills the abomination with the chainsaw after killing the demon the bloody rain stops and the sun comes out we see Mia now walking away free from the curse, but the movie is not done and the Book of the Dead lives on as we see it close itself, waiting for its next victims. And although not in the cut that I watched, there is an extended cut where we see Ash appear after the credits and he says his iconic line, Groovy, before turning to the audience. That was Evil Dead 2013. The movie gets four and a half stars for me. I think that it's a great reboot slash remake and it's able to stand on its own while having a lot of great nods to the original film. Honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm watching the movie and I catch more nods than I did the last time and that's something great with remakes is having callbacks without them distracting you from the main plot or without them feeling like you're just watching fan service over and over. We even, of course, get the Bruce Campbell cameo at the end of the movie, depending on which one you watched. And for me, the main issue where we lose half a star comes through with the characters. A lot of them are clearly there just to die, but it is slightly saved by the story of them being in the cabin there to help Mia overcome her addiction. Because you don't want to see these clearly good people die, and especially you don't want to see them die by the hands of Mia, who they were just there to help and who clearly wanted their help and their support. This was, of course, another great performance from Jane Levy. I think that she was probably the best actor, in my opinion, in the whole movie. But that isn't to say that the other actors were doing bad. They were actually doing great. I just really, really liked her performance compared to everybody else's. And that makes sense. She was the main character. She had the most to do. And I have been obsessed with her since Suburgatory, so... It was gonna be her regardless. I also really like how the movie was able to keep its heart and the heart of the movie being Mia and her friends and why they're at the cabin the same way that the original trilogy does, even though the original trilogy's heart is in the humor and comedy. And this movie is able to keep its heart while still finding a way to ramp up all the chaos and the blood because while the original Evil Dead is a very chaotic movie, the whole trilogy is chaos. This one finds chaos in an extremely different way, and that way is obviously blood, guts, and gore. I'm usually not a big fan of super long boss battles at the end of movies, but I can't help but love the final showdown between Mia and the Abomination, who looks just like her because it goes back to her fighting her inner demons, mainly addiction, and it is a very clear-cut and extremely epic way to show her overcoming that. 
Sadly, all of her friends had to die horrible deaths to get there, but who am I to complain about an epic final girl covered in blood using her severed arm and a chainsaw to save the day? Thank you all for listening to the Black Final Girl podcast. I'm your host, Clary. You can follow the podcast on Apple and Spotify and anywhere you would like to listen to your podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Black Final Girl. And hopefully the next episode that you guys hear from me will be Evil Dead Rise. I am so excited. You do not even understand. But thank you and bye.